what advice would you give to your early career self? How do you invest in yourself? How do you leverage technology to innovate? Learn the answers to these questions and many more on this episode of the Talk To Me Doc podcast. Welcome to the Talk To Me Doc podcast, where it's all about serving the early career physician. Let's talk about the unique issues that face us so we can create a better future for ourselves and those to come. And now your host, Dr. Andrew Tisser. Hey guys, it's Andrew. Welcome back to the Talk To Me Doc podcast. I'm so happy you're here. This episode is being brought to you by the Doctors Unbound podcast. Check out the show for fascinating interviews that share how physicians are making an impact outside of the hospital or clinic, whether it's founding a health tech company, running for public office, or starting a nonprofit. Tune in to the Doctors Unbound podcast for weekly stories that will uplift and inspire you. And if you're interested in financial literacy and independence, Dr. Dave regularly covers those topics as he and his family are on their very own journey of achieving financial independence with short-term rentals. Subscribe to Doctors Unbound for free wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're a returning listener, thank you so much. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Because today, like every episode, I'm bringing you the best guests from all around healthcare and beyond to discuss issues relating to the early career physician. Today's episode, our guest is Dr. Sogol Palavan. Dr. Palavan is a general pediatrician practicing in Houston, Texas. She is a managing partner of a mid-sized pediatric practice and is honored to work alongside her sister, who also is a pediatrician. Her practice consists of predominantly underserved Hispanic community. Her passion is to advocate at the state and federal level to change policies to bring quality care to the underserved population. She is an active member of several organizations, including the Texas Pediatric Society, Medicaid Committee, Texas Medical Association Medicaid Committee, American Academy of Pediatrics Section of Administrative and Practice Management. In her practice, she has utilized technology and innovation to close the care gap and improve access while providing quality care. Well, without further ado, let's uh, bring Sogol onto the show. Dr. Sogol Palavan, welcome to the Talk to Me Doc podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be a guest on your podcast. Appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Thanks for coming on. Um, I already recorded a little bit about you for the listeners, but in your own words, could you tell us who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I'm a general pediatrician in Houston, Texas. Uh, my sister and I are actually um, in practice together. We're managing partners of a private practice uh, pediatric group. Uh, we started 13 years ago, and we have grown from a two-provider practice to an eight-provider um, practice. Uh, we are in East Houston, and what's different about East Houston is that it's a predominantly um, low-income Hispanic community. And that is kind of where um, my passion lies is for the underserved. And my clinic is a little bit unique uh, and more challenging because uh, you will not find many clinics that are serving the underserved that are in private practice. And that just goes with the challenges of um, insurance reimbursements and socioeconomical challenges that you um, face when you're um, serving that patient population. So most of those clinics are usually FQHC, which is uh, federally qualified healthcare centers, or they're within your county hospitals. Um, 
So it's been a great learning experience. Um, and uh, if I had to do it over again, I would. Um, there's nothing that I would do any different. <laughs> Well, that's wonderful to hear because you certainly aren't hearing that a lot these days. Um, what what was really cool about bringing you on the show, um, initially we wanted to talk about private practice, but it's kind of morphed over time. And uh, this show focuses on, on physicians early in their career. And since you have so much experience and you actually enjoy your career, I thought you'd bring, bring you on to discuss uh, lessons learned uh, from your career thus far and uh, what you wish you knew uh, graduating medical school and, and residency, if that's okay with you. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, so, you know, I did a lot of self-reflection, um, getting ready for this uh, sh uh, podcast, and I came down with five key points that I really wanted, kind of food for thought. I wanted to throw these out there for those medical students and even the residents and early, uh, even the early career physicians, because um, I think if you uh, hone in on these five uh, points, then it really allows you to look beyond the normal path of what um, residency or med schools or, or um, uh, academic um, institutions are teaching us. And I think with the shift in medicine, which has definitely been escalated by COVID, we really, what I've learned is we really need to look outside of our status quo and evolve and change the lens that we look through to be able to become competitive and to not just survive in medicine, but thrive. Um, so number one, and this is, I, I kind of um, put them in the order that I thought were most important. And number one is definitely self. Invest in yourself. And I think this is one of the most important things that is neglected in us as humanity and even more so in us as physicians because we are taught give, give. We're a very compassionate group, right? That's why we go into medicine because we want to help the community. We want to help our neighborhoods. We want to help the elderly. We want to help, you know, the athletes or whatever your subspecialty is. But I think with that message, we lose ourselves, And I think that's why we're seeing so much burnt out is because we, we neglect ourselves, right? Yeah. So, I, I, I think yeah. if I could add a point, you know, uh, I, I do a little talk called the graduating residency checklist. And number yeah. one is, yeah. uh, is focus on yourself. We lose that so much yeah. through our training. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we lose our connection to our family and friends. You know, we miss big events. And then you, sometimes yeah. you don't even recognize yourself on, on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, and, and that's, I'm, so I'm, I'm 15 years out. So I'm kind of mid-career, right? And I hit this wall about about three years ago. And I kept calling it chronic fatigue. I was like, okay, well, I guess when you hit midlife, you're just supposed to feel like this. <laughs> Dragging yourself out of bed every morning, even though you've gotten plenty of sleep. Um, 
And so what I want to say is that, you know, it's great to balance clinical and administrative responsibility, but don't forget to invest in some self-development. Even if you're feeling great, right? Take that time to get to know who am I? Because we change, right? As we go from our 20s to 30s to 40s to 50s, our needs are different. Our physiological needs are different. Our emotional needs are different. So really understand who you are as a person. Um, and don't and and look within yourself, right? I tend to, or I think most people tend to look and control things that are on their outside, right? Because we're very type A, we're very organized. Most of us are very OCD competitive. That's where why we can thrive in you know residency and in surgical rotations and in other NICU PICU stuff rotations like that. But what I've learned is that. You can't control your external world. What you can control is you and yourself, okay? And so to put all your energy in um, expending energy, worrying and controlling about uh, why is my boss X, Y, and Z? right? Um, your boss is not going to change. Your boss is your boss, right? They have their personalities. They have their, their, you know, their issues and, and, and their uh, strengths and their stretches. But look within yourself and say, how, okay, so my boss is X, Y, and Z, and I don't like it. But how can I, how can I approach this, this boss in a different way to where I'm not, you know, draining my mental power, um, worrying or, or being angry or having these negative emotions towards my boss? Yeah, there's, there's so, so much power in that. So I, mean, yeah. I, I was talking actually to one of my clients the other day who, who's in kind of a bad situation. And yeah. I told them, listen, there's two things you can do. You can either change your environment. You could leave. Yeah. Or you yeah. can change yourself yeah. um, because yeah. this person is not going to change, right? Yeah. Yeah. You cannot. Exactly. Exactly. So again, that comes from investing in yourself, knowing who you are and really training your brain, right? Training your brain to think different thoughts or training your brain to think thoughts that are going to cause different emotions versus trying to hold on and change, you know, the, the environment. Um and then during residency, please, you know, we, we, our education lacks really anything that prepares us for any leadership skills, any financial literacy, and any self-development, right? So look beyond your clinical skills because you're going to, you're going to do great. Clinically, you're going to do awesome. That first year is a little bit, you know, uh, uh, a steep <laughs> learning curve just because you're getting used to the pace of the real world. You know, there's no one that you can kind of fall back on for some clinical advice if you need it, depending on where you are. Um, but that, that, you've got that in the bag. You've done that for what training for eight, nine, 10, 11 years. So really to tune in on what are my leadership skills? How, how do I, when I walk into work, what do I carry with me? What's great about me? What are my strengths? And, and please, okay, so I'm not a millennial and I love millennials and I'll point it out to throughout my talk what they're great at. But when you get feedback, it is not a criticism. Please don't take it as a criticism. It's constructive feedback, right? So really when you're getting your evaluations or your, your 
or sometimes if you're not even getting evaluations, you're just getting feedback from, you know, nurses or, or, or ancillary staff, you know, don't take it to heart. Take it as constructive criticism and say, huh, okay, she's saying that my words were a little bit abrupt, right? I could translate that into, well, well, she's rude too, right? Or I could say, well, let me go back. Let's self-reflect and see how those words came out and what my intention was for it, right? And so that's one of the biggest things that I've seen in, in people in general is that, you know, when they get constructive feedback, they turn it into criticism. And so don't do that. Go in with an open heart and an open mind. Um, and then we talked about that we we're not uh, prioritizing ourselves. Um, and then... The other thing I wanted to say kind of to round this off is that we, you know, we learn to give, right? Oh, you should, you should give and it's great to be kind and it's great to be compassionate. But what I have learned and what I've changed this word give is that I want to share. So giving, the difference between giving and sharing is giving which is what we do, we give, but we neglect ourselves and we're empty and we're void at the end of the journey, right? Because we just give our cards away, right? We give all our emotional energy away. We give all our time away. We give all our skills away. But if we learn to share, the way that you share and the difference is that first you, you have to have something, right? First you fill yourself you fill your bucket and then when that bucket overflows then you are able to ration out and share that overflow so do you see the difference one yeah, is that great. you feel yeah you feel you feel awesome about yourself you're totally filled you've got all the it's kind of like um you know charity as well right i'm making great money i you know i have my uh needs met right and so i'm going to share a portion of that with my whatever charity of choice, right? Versus give, it's like, well, I'm barely making my mortgage and my car payment and like, I don't have X, Y, and Z, but out of obligation, I'm supposed to give. So I guess that's what I'm going to do right? Huge difference. And I feel like the culture has taught us as physicians, we should be givers. We've done this. We've given our time. We've given our energy. And so that's what you should just continue to do. So please kind of think about that and, and, and change your approach. And again, change your mindset towards, towards, um, that particular thing. And then start reading books, right? Books, podcasts. I mean, I love this, this kind of decade, this generation that we have, uh, we have, um, uh, are facing right now. You know, there are challenges, but I think as, as a community, there's so much more power um, that being created, like with your podcast, right, Andrew, and a lot of other podcasts. And all of these podcasts have different niches. Like when I went into residency and med school, there was no guidance. I mean, we went to your mentors, right? Your academic institution. And then if you had some great attendings and those were your mentors, but that was just the connection that you made within those working hours. Um, and that those, they might've not been a hundred percent who you were looking for, but we kind of 
that was the only choice we had. And so we just took it. Yeah. I mean, even um, just in the last 10 years, it's been, there's been an explosion um, of, of information out there and, and, and thought leaders and just people you can turn to for free, great advice. So it's, it's, it's been yeah. nice. Yeah. And so, and, and what's different about it is that so there's been so many more physicians, right. That are stepping out of their comfort zone and really creating these groups, which has been so invaluable for us, right? Um, and so that kind of uh, draws me into like the second uh, point that I want to make is find a mentor. And your mentors are going to change with your journey along the path, right? So at the beginning, your med school mentors are going to look different than residency and then early career physicians. When I started in private practice, <clears throat> I did not use a business consult. I didn't even know what a business consultant was at that point. I was like, I really, I worked for someone for two years. I love what she did clinically, but like on a business level, we didn't fit there. It wasn't a great fit. And so I said, well, I guess I'm, I can, let's, let me do this myself. And I had my sister and I was like, well, there's two of us. So I guess it's 50, 50. It's better than me doing all, you know, a solo. And so I, I literally filled out the Medicaid application myself. I did everything myself. And so along for the first six years of my practice, you know, we would come up with some, you know, a zillion challenges during the day. And then I, we would sit in a room and we'd be like, what should we do? And then we would just like literally pick something out of a hat. Okay, let's do this. Like it was based on nothing. We had zero experience and we had no one to, to fall back on, right? There was no, um, you know, there was no podcast. There were no YouTubes. There were no, I mean, there were pediatric, I mean, there were consultants. They were, I don't think there were even pediatric consultants that we knew, knew about, but the, but it costs money. It costs a lot of money. And at that point we didn't have any. Um, and so we made a lot, lots of lots of mistakes. So surround yourself with like-minded people. Okay. Ignore the naysayers and then believe in what your mission or your, your why. And then Network, network. Now, I cannot emphasize the importance of networking. And I'm an extrovert, so it's super easy for me to network. And I know a lot of people struggle with that. But I have met people along this path six years ago that I have, you know, not been in touch with, but six years later, I meet them somewhere else. And like the dots just connect. Like it's like synchronicity. It's like, I should have met this person at this time because now that I'm meeting them, it just, you know, falls into the right place for the right thing. You never know what, what somebody's going to bring to your life. I mean, I'm, I know I talk to people on the plane and my wife yells at me, yeah. but, yeah. um, but you really never know, uh, and people that, you know, and, and it's not like, Oh, what can I get out of this person? It's just meeting no. other people and, and no. seeing if anything connects, you know? Yeah. 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 And looking at their point of views and seeing how they I mean, you can learn so much from just story, like stories, right? You can learn so much from that. Um, so for pediatrics specifically, um, we have our um, AAP. Um, we have the state level and we have the national level. And then we have a couple of um, two practice management groups that, that 
tend to kind of really work with the AAP as well. Um, And then your Facebook groups are a great community, right? I talked about podcasts, I talked about YouTubes, and then your Facebook groups. There there is a Facebook group, especially the um, the physician mom groups that has you know molded into I think like I don't know over 50, 60 other groups that are specific to your um, to your interests. So definitely follow those. I mean, you don't have to religiously look at their Facebook every single day, but you should definitely be connected. Um, there is some sort of interest for any person that's out there. Um, and um, the third thing that kind of goes along with, you know, investing yourself is create your own vision and your own why, right? So when you, and this is so important and, and I would say that why and that vision is going to definitely change. And I think residents coming out are so overwhelmed with like, or so ecstatic about like, oh my God, I just want to go out and make money. Yay. Let me just get a job because I need to pay off my, res- uh, uh, no, uh, what is it? Resident loans um, or med school re- loans that they kind of neglect this, this uh, paying attention, right. To, to what your why is like, and I, and I ask, I interview a lot of, of, you know, pediatricians for my work. And I always ask them, I'm like, so like specifically for pediatrics, I was like, so what are you looking for? Like, okay, great. You want a job. What are you looking for? And the generic answer that you always get in pediatrics is, well, I'm looking for, you know, making a connection with the families and have Having a long-term relationship with them and watching kids grow from birth to, you know, age 21. And I'm like, okay, that's a med school response. Like, (laughs) you need to go beyond that. Like, okay, but that's why you went into pediatrics, right? Like, every single person that sits in this chair is going to have, that's like the basis. That's like the foundation, right? But you need to go beyond that. Like, what is your passion? And sometimes you don't know, right? Because no one's told you to focus in on what you like. You were on survival mode in residency, right? Like get through this rotation and get through that rotation and take your boards. But I really challenge those residents to sit back and when they're seeing patients or where they're in a different um, environment versus private practice, academics, outpatient, um, I don't know, community clinics um, in the NICU, PICU, to really look up at what are the, what connects me with this particular patient population, right? So I did my residency in Texas Children's and it's a super high specialty um, residency. Um, it's, uh, it's a huge academic center. And so our community clinics, we got pulled out once a week. Um, I was lucky enough to just be, you randomly got assigned. So I got assigned to like an outpatient clinic. And that outpatient clinic was in the middle of um, a very um, posh neighborhood. And so the observations that, so we had a lot of physician parents and oil is huge. Uh, Engineering used to be big in Houston. So a lot of professionals, right? Type A professionals that wanted, you know, ADHD medicine for their straight a student because they wanted their kids to get A pluses and get into like Ivy League schools. And so, you know, I observed that. And then my, my job when I came out was a very good mix of like 
you know, like low income, a little bit of high income, a very nice mix. And so I always got drawn to the underserved because I felt like my experience was they're so much more appreciative of the services that you give them. Number one, they don't question you with a zillion articles off of Google about X, Y, and Z. And they have, if you build a relationship, they have full trust in you, right? And so that's where I found my passion and my connection. And I had to work, you know, outside for outside of residency for two or three years to be able to understand that. And so, um, and notice I didn't base that passion on dollars, because, you know, there's no dollars in underserved. I mean, there's barely any dollars in the underserved community. Well, I mean, right? it is, you know, that point is, is you know, it's important to, to try different things, you know, besides your after your residency and learn what you like and what you don't. I mean, I did exclusively locums for two years and worked in every possible practice setting imaginable. And then when we moved back to Western New York, um, you know, I took a job at a smaller rural hospital because I liked the single coverage, you know, that I, I didn't, I didn't miss the trauma and those types of things. And you yeah. really learn, you learn what you like and what you don't by trying different things. And to your point of having a vision, I mean, agreed. Yeah. You know, I think, I think there's a lot of uh, like deflation when you get out of residency. Like yeah. there was always like, well, I'm going to go through college and then I'm going to get to medical school and then I'm going to get yeah. into residency. And then you're like, okay, now I just worked for 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people are like, well, now what? Yeah. And I think there's no time. Well, I think there's no time and then there's no emphasis. No one tells us this, right? True. When we're, when we're going through our path. Um, and I think, again, this is why we have the, these conversations are so great because it connects, you know, the docs that have been through these different scenarios and it shares their experience and it tells their stories. Um, and then when you find, so Simon, I wanted to mention Simon Sinek, and I don't know who you know, if you know who he is, but he's, he's the, he's the why guy. So if you YouTube him and go on Facebook and like podcast, I think he has a podcast too, but he, he teaches people to, to learn what their why is and how to kind of work through that process. So look at his YouTubes, look at his Facebook page. He's a great guy. If you're just trying to be like, well, I don't even know what a why is. What's a why? Like, how do you even know what your why is? So he answers a lot of uh, those questions. And then when you go for job interviews, really hone in on like what your why is. So let's say, so let's say I, I have a passion for the underserved and I'm going to go interview at, you know, a clinic or hospital. Then some of the questions that I would ask, aside from all the, you know, normal questions about salary benefits, would be um, what percent of your patient population is underserved? Right. If I'm coming, like, what does your mixer uh, or population look like? Uh, pay your mix looks like, look like. How do you handle patients that are self-paid? Right. Do you just not take them? Do you give them some sort of like a lower fee? What resources do you have for those people that are lacking health insurance? And then with the underserved. Um, there's a lot of social economical things that come into play. And so there's um, ad adverse childhood um, experiences that physician or pediatricians can screen for. So I would ask about that. Do you know what that is? Like, do you even screen for it? If you do screen for it, what resources do you have to, to support uh, the clinician that's um, screening for it? Um, and then I'm, 
I'm into um, integrated, like a team-based care. That's what our clinic is based on. It's not just the physician. It's we have a lot of care coordinators and we have scribes and we have a lot of administrative staff that can support that physician. So that's something I would would um, would ask as well. Like, how do you how do you how do what's your team like? Is it just the physician and the nurse and the nurse triages and the physician does everything else, or do you have other support staff? Um, and then uh, we've done a lot of behavioral health with the underserved population. There's a huge need, um, a huge, uh, a lot of anxiety and depression in the teens. So I would ask about behavioral health support within the practice. So go, so, so again, you can start looking for these things in residency, right? And you don't have to start when you're, you're, you're in your own job. If you just, if you just kind of, again, shift your lens, lens and yes, you have to do the work, but huh, so where does this person go after I refer them? Or like, are there resources in the hospital that allow them to get behavioral health? And if they were in the community, then where would they go, right? Because if, and I think, and I don't know, I just, this is my opinion. I think a lot of physicians stay within their system when they graduate because it's their comfort zone, right? It's their home. They sure. know how the system works. They know uh, the, the referral process, the in and outs. They're, they're familiar with the, the faculty there. And so they just kind of, you know, just kind of, and, and the system usually wants them, right? They recruit them heavily. And so they, they what I challenge you to do is every step of your life, please step out of your comfort zone. Uh, yes, it is going to be extremely difficult, but that's how we learn. That's how humans learn is when you step out of your comfort zone and you challenge yourself and you fail and that's okay. Fa I don't call it fail. I, you know, the, the phrase failing forward, it's learning. When you fail, don't beat yourself up. Don't say um, one thing that I got this from you, uh, you were talking on one of your Facebook uh, lives is negotiating for benefits rather than for money. M me as a private, uh, as an employer, love, love negotiating benefits rather than negotiating salary. Branding clause is something new that's come up because you guys are doing an a way better job than we are. We didn't even know what branding is. Like you're just an MD, right? Like, what does that mean? Everybody's an MD. So make sure, especially with the big hospital chains, um, that you put in a branding clause. If you have a niche and if you have a podcast or you're doing something, some sort of side gig that has to do with your name, identifies your name with, <clears throat> with something that you're creating, put that branding clause in your contract. And then uh, retirement benefits and then passive income options. Y'all start, start, um, uh, having a plan and a strategy for passive income, like in med school, <laughs> because Agreed. I think it's possible. <laughs> it is. I mean, I, I see these awesome, um, med students and even residents. I don't follow a lot of them, but the few that I do follow on Instagram that have these like huge followers and all they're doing is they're really educating their followers on this is what residency looks like. This is what med school looks like. Right. I mean, that's branding yourself. That's kind of, that can lead to passive income. So really think outside the box and think about those options because long gone are the days that you can solely depend on your doc salary and have job security in that. Right. We totally well, found that out. Especially given the current events, I think we've <laughs> right? all seen it. 
<laughs> yeah. And I think, yes, it's tragic what's really happening and, and it's really heartbreaking. But I think there's opportunities to really learn from, from this uh, pandemic, which is a completely different talk that I could talk about all day. But last thing is uh, leverage technology to innovate. Y'all are great about that. Um, we are living, I don't know, I say a twilight zone. Like, <laughs> I mean, the, the pace and the, that the change that we're seeing during, uh, that's accelerated by the pandemic is just, uh, it's astonishing for me. And so uh, it's harder for us, I guess, in, in our, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, some of us to be able to keep up and to be able to really sh- be flexible and shift uh, whatever we were, were taught and that routine. But leverage your technology. One thing I wanted to say, when you go for a job, no, not even when you go for a job interview, when you are looking for jobs, if that entity does not have a website, please do not interview there. Okay. <laughs> if, if that clinic or that whatever is, does not have web presence, that tells you a lot about their um, culture, right? About their mindset. You've got to have a web presence. So that's super easy, right? Go Google them on the web, right? Um, And then look at the amount of um, reviews that they have. Look at if they have a Facebook page. This is kind of like private practice that I'm talking about, right? Look at if they have an Instagram. And then you can, if you go on, uh, my clinic is ABC Pediatric Clinic um, in Houston, Texas. If you go on like ABC Pediatric Clinic, uh, Facebook and Instagram, and you just scroll through our pictures, you don't even have to come for a job interview. Like you see our culture. I mean, it shines through. You see what we celebrate. You see what our mission is. You see what is important to us. You see the, you know, education component that we give to the patients. And then if you read our reviews, then you kind of see the patient side of it, right? Dude, it is astonishing how many physicians come to me and I'm like, did you look at our, most of them look at our website. I feel like that's, that's kind of set, but I was like, did you look at our Facebook page? And they're like, Oh no, we didn't know you had one. And I'm like, Oh, like, why not? Like, (laughs) you know, because it gives you so a wealth of information about what this clinic is, is like. Yeah. I mean, to your point about websites, I would argue if they don't have a social presence that you might want to think twice. I mean, because the old way of just putting a sign out front and waiting for patients to arrive is, is gone. And if you're hoping to be competitive in the world of Walmart clinics and things like yep. that, um, yep. you need to get yep. with social media marketing. So yeah, great yep. point. Exactly. Exactly. Because if you think about it, the, and this is something kind of, I've really realized lately because we are 2020 was kind of our ramping up our social media and getting on, you know, getting on the web more and doing the marketing through that. We were a little bit behind on it. Um, is that I, as a independent uh, practitioner, can have, have so much more power in and, and choice in what I can post because I have the account. The account is mine, right? I don't have to go through layers of administrative approval to be able to post whatever I want to post, right? And I can show me and my face 
and who I am is connected with the clinic. Versus if you're working in a large hospital system, you, you lose that autonomy, right? You can't you can't control their social media, sure. right? So you get a lot of more generic posts, like come in for your well child or, you know, drowning, you know, it's summertime and make sure your kid doesn't drown or you get a lot of more educational, but you don't get that human connection, right? Because the physicians that work there are not allowed to have any input in the social media. It comes from your corporate or whatever their marketing firm or whoever. So <clears throat> those are you that are in private practice, please leverage that because it is a huge point. We are, we, we humans are social animals and we thrive on connection and belonging. Okay. The hospital system will not tell you that these large corporations will not tell you that they'll tell you, Oh, it's all about your reviews and it's all about whatever. No, it's about connection, <laughs> especially one industry that's about connection is healthcare. And we have lost that connection in the story and in, in the years because of the infiltration of these, you know, now private equity groups and venture capitalists and these, you know, urgent cares. And I honestly believe deep down in my heart that humans still want that connection and private practice is not dead. And so really leverage that for, for, uh, to your advantage. Yeah. Well um, said, well said. So uh, we're, we're running out of time here. Um, so I just wanted to transition the show a little bit. Um, so if, if people want to find out more about you, uh, where, where can they reach you? I know. I, so <laughs> I am not, I don't have a, I'm, I don't have a podcast yet, but they can reach me. They can reach me at my email. Um, the last name is Palavan, P-A-H-L-A-V-A-N. First name is Sogol, S-O-G-O-L at gmail.com. And if you go to my clinic, there's like an email there too. If you email it, all those emails come to me as well. And I'm on like all these PMG groups. If you want to, if you want to, um, send me messages through Facebook. I'm on Facebook all the time as well. Sure. That'll um, be in the uh, show notes for the listeners. Um, I know you've given us, uh, you said five pieces of advice. I think you gave us maybe 40. Um, <laughs> so do you have one uh, last parting piece of advice uh, for the early career physician? I do. Operate with a growth mindset embrace the people that make you feel uncomfortable because that pushes your limits and that allows you to step out of your comfort zone and be comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's my mantra for 2020. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> right. There's no failure, just feedback, right? There you go. Well, this has been really fun, Sobel. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your wisdom with the listeners. I'm sure it will go a long way. Um, well, uh, we'll be in touch, and, uh, and I'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Have an awesome day. Bye-bye. What an amazing episode with Dr. Palavan. I really liked her five key points for the early career physician based on her experience. That is, invest in yourself. Find a mentor create your own vision slash why leverage technology to innovate and operate with a growth mindset all of which i definitely agree with that's all we have today for this show i hope you enjoyed if you did please go leave me a honest rating and review on apple podcasts as it helps get the word out there to more early career physicians like yourself the other thing i'd like you to do after listening is follow me on instagram at 
talktome.llc. That's talk, the number two, me, D-O-C, underscore LLC. Additionally, if you have been feeling some dissatisfaction with your career and want to see how we can work together to figure out how to best improve your satisfaction, go to andrewtisserdo.com slash ss. That's andrewtisserdo.com slash ss and schedule a free time to talk. I look forward to helping you. Until next time, everyone, keep talking. All opinions expressed by the guest in this episode are solely the guest's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Andrew Tisser Dio, TalkToMe.LC, or any affiliates thereof. The guest's opinions are based upon information he or she considers reliable, but Andrew Tisser Dio, TalkToMe.LC, nor any affiliates thereof warrant its completeness or accuracy. The guest, Andrew Tisser Dio, TalkToMe.LC, or any affiliates thereof are not under any obligation to update or correct any information provided in this episode. The guest statements and opinions are subject to change without notice. That's a wrap on the show, but wanted to again share how you can find the Doctors Unbound podcast on your podcast app. If you have a minute and you're not driving, look at the podcast app on your phone that you're listening to this show in. Search for Doctors Unbound. Click subscribe, and that's it. Thanks for supporting fellow physicians as they pursue incredible lives out of medicine. See you there.